Language and concept warning. You are now tuned in to Umami Night. Umami Night. Umami Night. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Umami Nights. My name is Chong Ali. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Uh, this week's guest, the actor, producer, Director Oakley Kwan joins us for an incredible chat, a really inspiring chat about her creative journey uh, in the acting world as well as um, creating content and just producing creative works in general. She is the star of the hit SBS series Hungry Ghosts. She is in a, a recurring character on Neighbours and she's got a new movie coming out called Bloody Hell. So she's super busy, uh, always you know got her fingers in different pies. Um, this chat was so valuable to me. It really lit a fire under me and, and got me motivated again, even especially coming towards the end of the year. Um, but it was just, she just dropped so much knowledge, so many dimes, so many gems that, um, I, I really feel like anybody that's pursuing a creative, um, journey, uh, will find lots of value in. So, um, this interview was recorded on Wednesday, the 9th of December. Uh, and without further ado, enjoy the interview. Okay, cool. But we're rolling now anyway, so. Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to A Mummy Nights. Thank you very much to my guest, Opie Kwan, joining me today. Uh, she is best known for her starring role as Diane Tran in SBS's iconic um, ghost. Was it what's it called? Like a thriller or a horror? What's it called? Yes, it's it's, it's a genre bending TV series, TV miniseries. Yeah, it's Hungry Ghost. Hungry Ghost, mm. and it's been um, nominated for best teleseries and miniseries for yes. twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, please, big round of applause for Oakley Kwan. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, Oakley. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. We've been trying to line this up for yonkers. <laughs> but uh, we finally got here. Um, yeah. And first of all, congratulations on all of the success for Hungry Ghosts. Um, it's been, I've been seeing you everywhere doing, you know, basically from Neighbours, you know, your recurring role on Neighbours and all the way to now Hungry Ghost. Hungry Ghost is massive. Yeah, it's huge. Um, it's like you said, it's, it, I think it's going to be an iconic sort of production, especially for uh, the Vietnamese Australian community, because yeah. it is based around, you know, four Vietnamese families and their stories um, a, a couple of the stories are quite harrowing stories about, you know, the Vietnamese experience in terms of um, being refugees and coming to Australia as both people um, and being accepted there and the ghosts and that they have to deal with or the, the skeletons in the closet that they have to deal with. Yeah. Or that we all have to deal with, I suppose. Either it's our, personally, um, you and I, it's either our parents or ourselves our yep. grandparents, our aunts and uncles, we, we turn left, we turn right, no doubt um, we will know somebody who's gone through that experience before. Yeah. 
and it's a and it we can't really escape it can we like it's part of our identity but it doesn't really define us um yeah. that's one of the things yeah it's one of those things where um I, i've got to be really delicate about it when i explain it to people who haven't been through the process or hasn't mm -hmm. been affected by it it's yeah. it's because i on one on one hand i do want to like pay homage to the sacrifices that my parents made you know mm -hmm. to, to get here but on the other hand it's like that's not where the story ends though it kind of it kind of just starts there do you know what i'm saying so yeah. when i see something like hungry ghosts um that is broadcasted to the mainstream and it's not just like a footnote in the story it's like it's spread out amongst the, the whole thing yeah it's like yeah. Oh, thank you like that's that's a long conversation to have you know Absolutely. And, you know, um, the, the touching thing about it is that we've received, each one of the cast members on the show has received messages from people saying, um, you know, how the story resonates with them. And it's not just about Vietnamese Australians, by the way, it's people from different ethnic cultures as well, sort of saying, you know, this experience resonates with me too. Um, so really sort of highlights that Australia is a multicultural society. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a lot of Australians have come from, you know, different backgrounds. They've come to, either migrated or, or immigrated to Australia, um, either themselves or their parents have immigrated in sort of sometimes under harrowing circumstances. But you're absolutely right. So proud to be a part of the production um, because uh, for the first time, you know, a Vietnamese story is the headline mm. for a, a production on, on television front and center and you're part of it yeah you're part of it what was it like what was it like so walk me through the process like did you audition did they hit you up did your agent hit you up and like yo oakley we got this thing keep it under wraps yes. it's called hungry yeah. ghost um you know like what was the process how did they approach you you know and how did the whole thing start okay so first of all i'm going to give a quick plug to my agent um they are bmeg in brisbane uh, they also represent talent in Sydney uh, as well. And it was through them that I got an audition. So Ro and Mav, who are the, the sort of principal uh, directors, uh, principal agents of, in, in that agency, they, uh, they put out, I suppose, when there, whenever there is a casting call, they offer talent that they think would be suitable. So that's so obviously I was offered um, as as a potential person to to to, to get an audition, and so I got an audition. Um, it was a self tape audition. So these days you don't have to be in an audition room to audition anymore. You can put forward a self tape. Um, so I asked one of my acting coaches to help me with regard to my audition, um, Peter Rasmussen. There's another plug. Shout Hi, out. Peter. Yeah. Peter. <laughs> yes, you can right. my audition tape, Peter. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, you know, if you are listening, Peter, <laughs> I asked Peter, Peter helped me with my audition for Neighbours as well. So two for two. Two for two. Both auditions I got cast. Yes, two From for two. From the free throw. Nice one, Peter. <laughs> I like that strike rate. But, um, yeah, but um, so Peter and I worked on my audition and... Um, and we, we put it down, we sent it in. So my agent sent it in and then we got, um, it was like, I didn't hear back for like months. It was like months before my agent sort of came back. 
And it was a really good story because when my agents contacted me again, they said, um, they think that I'm too old. They thought that I was too old for the role that I went for. So I actually went for my daughter's role. <laughs> I, auditioned, I auditioned for my daughter's role. Yeah. And um, the response back, you know, multiple months later, because I thought I didn't, I didn't get it because it was so many months down the track. Um, but they came back and they said, um, we think you're a little bit too old for the role, but there's another role that we'd like for you to audition for. Yeah. And the director would like to give you some notes in relation to it. And I thought, this is very unusual. And I said, I asked, I asked Romab, is this usual that a director gives notes for auditions? And they said, it's not, it's, it's not unheard of, but it is unusual. So, so really take, you know, take advantage of, of the fact that you've got the director who can sort of give you a bit of notes in terms of what they're looking for. So I, so I called up Sean, who's the director, and, um, and, and sort of asked him about the role and, and what we, he was thinking and, um, uh, and what his thoughts were in relation to the role. But Sean was actually more about what did I think about the role. Right. And for those who haven't seen the show, um, the character Diane is a mother of, you know, two wonderfully smart, um, high-achieving girls, um, and she's also got a granddaughter, but her history is that she was a bow person. And so when I discovered that this was the role, I thought, gee, I'm kind of glad that they've offered me um, an opportunity to audition for this one because this really resonates with me. I mean, I was a boat person, although I was an old, I was like two years old when I was a boat person. Um, my parents were boat people. We were in the same boat together. And I thought, would this is like the perfect character because I can sort of look back at my own history and really sort of delve into what the character would be like. So really my discussion with Sean was, this is my personal experience and this is what I think the character would be like. Yep. Um, and, and then we put down, so I put down an audition tape for Diane and within a couple of weeks I heard back and, and they wanted to book me. So that's, nice. that's that. Yeah. It's so important, isn't it, when um, I think that exchange between, say, your director and casting you to have that conversation about, like, I actually have a lived experience. I can bring the authenticity to the role. Yeah. Just And just the director being open to that and go, you know what? I need to listen right now. I need to take the back seat and let this person drive. Yeah. So that's one, one of the beautiful things about Sean. Um, he is an actor's director in the sense that he really trusts the actors to bring to the role that authenticity that you mentioned yep. and also um, the, the perspective as well. So we were all very grateful in terms of all of the actors and all the cast. We were all very grateful for that approach on, on, on set. And I have to sort of admit um, the, the way that he directed allowed us to to grow together as a family so we still stay in touch That's we're nice. like this we're like this um and all of the hungry ghosts cast yeah. uh, we, we still stay in touch uh, we're dotted across australia so we've got we've got some in melbourne some in um in sydney and then i'm the only person in brisbane so sometimes so um when we get together i, I fly i fly to sydney to to catch up with everyone Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And so when you're on set, um, 
and like obviously they're going to be long days you know and there's going to be like was there much um i guess was there much adjustment to the scripts as you were going like was there a lot of sort of back and forth between cast members writers producers directors was there a lot of discussions about how you could bring you know that authenticity out more from the script mm. I think um, there are ch changes to scripts all the time in all productions. And so you have different colors scripts. So every time they change something, you have a different color for the script. And so you know which script is the most current script that you have. Um, but in terms of injecting more authenticity to the script, it was more, so, it was more my engagement with Sean on the day of the shoot, where we actually do um, the, the rehearsal um, and see how it feels and then from that we kind of sort of say yeah this is this is, this feels right or no this doesn't feel right um uh, and and that was for me that was the way that i worked with uh, with sean um but i suspect sean works differently with each of the each of the actors in the cast depending on their personality and depending on how they they like to work yeah now you know, being such a tight crew, obviously it's unavoidable working so closely with each other for, you know, long periods of time and long hours in the day too. Um, what was the feeling like when you guys got nominated for best uh, teleseries and miniseries? Like, you know, did you, were you together? Was this before, this was before coronavirus, right? Like when you got nominated? Um, no, this is after. This is, oh. this is during and after coronavirus. So you couldn't even get yeah. together. couldn't even high five. You had to like no. mask well, it up. Um, we have this this Facebook group, Messenger group, that we're all on. So we got we kind of created it whilst we were on set, and we stayed on it um, ever since. And so, anytime there's there's you know a tiny ounce of news about Hungry Ghosts, it's like one person will share it, and then everybody knows it, and then we're all excited. And then we all share it on our internet, our, yeah, um, nice. our social media sort of stuff. So that's, that's how Asians do it, I've noticed. Yeah, we're, just really, we're just 100%. really good at spreading gossip. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's so true. It's funny because it's true. Now, I mean, we, um, we, we so enjoyed um, the experience in terms of sharing the story and help, helping with the publicity of it. Yeah. Because... You, you know, we're really good at communication. We're really good at, I mean, Asians, we're just quite naturally good at, you know, networking and, and connecting with people because we enjoy each other's company and that sort of stuff and we like spreading the word. Yeah. So we really, um, we all had a vested interest in promoting Hungry Ghosts and so uh, we all sort of uh, helped SBS with regard to identifying, you know, the Vietnamese media press outlets that they, they should sort of pitch it to and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So um, I should do a, a big shout out to all of the cast because all of the cast pitched in to sort of um, get the news about Hungry Ghost out. Yeah. So we managed to get in, you know, Viet Lawton and we got into TV Tun Sang. So it's yeah, like shout out. <laughs> <laughs> And I think, um, I don't know if it's, if it's just the Vietnamese community, but it's kind of feels like we kind of starve for positive representations in the media. So anytime anything like this pops up and it's really well executed and the production's mm. off the chain, it's like, yes, we got one. Send them out. Yeah. Go get them out there, you know? I think I think there's still a lot more work to do, though. Um, yep. 
I think um, it's just the beginning and it's from this that we need to sort of put in concerted effort to keep growing and keep strengthening because we don't want to be the, you know, the one hit wonders. And then, you know, people forget about this, this whole um, journey that we've had to go through. Yeah. So we want to be able to build on that momentum. And that's why I'm going to be focusing my attention on, on creating content, creating content that is inclusive and, uh, and diverse and, you know, championing those stories because my, I'm fairly new to, to acting. I've only been in the industry since 2017. Um, and I've worked really hard uh, to, to be able to, to get the roles that I've gotten. And I'm really very thankful to my agent and, you know, and luck and the universe and all that sort of stuff. Um, but my exposure to the industry has really uh, opened my eyes to how biased, how biased the industry is. Yeah. And up until now, I had sort of not paid any attention to that bias at all. And I thought it was just normal, but it actually isn't normal. It, it isn't normal. The industry and media doesn't actually represent um, the diversity in our society, in our community. So, for example, how many people with disabilities in lead roles do we see? Very, almost none. Yeah. How many people um, of, you know, culturally diverse backgrounds in lead roles do you see? None. How many transgenders? Very few. Or none. Um, so that's how, that's how sort of bad it is. And because we've been exposed to, you know, that same, same old media for such a long time, we think that that's normal. Yeah. And I think it was normal, but it's not. Um it's not, and it's time for change. And I think with Black Lives Matter and with um, the trend that we're seeing at the moment, that, that people are starting to wake up yeah. and starting to recognise the importance of representation in media. Because I think it was a UN study that was saying that children as young as eight were limiting their career prospects because they didn't think that they, you know, um, they were the right fit or the right background and so on. So we owe it to our children to make sure that they're actually seeing themselves on media so yeah. that they can sort of, uh, feel empowered to do whatever it is that they want to do in life um, and not be constrained by, I don't know, their gender, not be constrained by their ability or disability, not be constrained by their, their heritage and their background. Yeah. It's but so yeah, important, isn't so it? Important. Just, just to, um, just to, Again, like what you said, see yourself, you know, on on the mainstream medias, you know, for mm. so long. Um, the only time I saw, like, just for me, the only time I saw Asians like me, uh, you know, Asians yeah. in the West, you know, was on YouTube. That was the only time I saw us represented. Yeah. It was never in mainstream media. It was never in, like, you know, mainstream music or, you know, movies, you know, on TV, anything. It was only YouTube. We had a couple, we had Bruce Lee. And, you know, and that was probably pretty much the only sort of um, Asian dude in the West because everyone else yeah. is like, you know, Asians in Asia, which is fantastic. But, yeah, yeah. you know, we want to feel like, you know, like, I guess, again, like, I just want to see my flavor, my style, the way I think on TV as yeah. well to make me feel normal. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I'm not such an outsider. That's why I think, you know, things like Hungry Ghost is so important for people to go, oh, okay, this is the starting point. You know, this is the jump off. 
keep building from there, you know? Yeah. I think there are a couple of, yeah, you, you sort of hit the nail on the head there. Um, the, there are a couple of points to that. First is that Hunger Ghost allowed me to really accept and embrace my heritage. Growing up, I was surrounded by Caucasians, um, very few Asians in class from primary school to high school to even university, I chose to go into an, an area where there were lots of, you know, men. And so I wasn't exposed, lots of men and not a lot of Asians around me either. So I grew up with, you know, Western Occidental values, um, liberal values and, and things. And so uh, for a long time, I kind of, uh, what, what would be the word? I kind of either avoided or underplayed my Vietnamese heritage. Um, and it wasn't until Hungry Ghost that I actually learned that it was important for me to embrace it because I am who I am and I should be proud about not just being Australian, but I should be goddamn proud about being Vietnamese too. And so, so absolutely, I'm really, really proud of being Vietnamese um, now because I wasn't before. I was running away from it before. And see, that's a sad, that's a sad thing. When yeah, that's huge. You come, yeah, so... And I'm not sure if it resonates with other people, but um, but it certainly was a big eye opener for me, um, accepting my heritage and embracing yeah. it and being proud of it. Um, yeah. There's nothing wrong with you know being Asian, living in Australia. There's nothing wrong with looking the way that I look in in a country where you know um, you you predominantly the majority of the population is is Occidental and um, you know, fair skin, that sort of stuff, blue eyes, fair skin. Yeah. So it, it was important for me to, um, to accept and to embrace that. Um, so that's the, the first point. And, and it was so, and it wasn't just me who was experiencing that. Um, Catherine, uh, or Kat, who's the lead in, in Hungry Ghosts, she had a similar experience, so um, or she had a slightly different experience in the sense that her mother is Vietnamese, but her father's not. And mm. growing up, she had the surname of Davies, and people would always um, misrepresent her heritage in the sense that they didn't even acknowledge the Vietnamese part of her heritage. And I think um, Hungry, Hungry Ghost sort of uh, gave her an avenue to to what is it reclaim that part yeah. of her um so the show on so many levels is so important so, but that's that's the first thing um and i forgot my second point that's okay yeah well this is what It'll the show's all about later. this is what the show's all about we like rant and we go on tangents and then we go you know what let's just change the subject we can get straight back yeah. into it we, you'll probably remember yeah. later anyway yeah, we will. We'll remember later, but yeah, it's 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 not if it's not important. Um, <laughs> you know, these conversations surrounding um, the identity and forging our own identity and just owning it, um, I think, is so important to have anyway. Because, in a sense, we're kind of like the first ones to even have this conversation with each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know for my parents when they got here, like, all right, we need to we need to knuckle down and we need to survive. Yeah, that was pretty much the conversation they had with each other. But now it's like, okay, we're surviving. Thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. 
now I'm trying to sort of figure out where I belong in society and like, who am I? Where do I fit? Where do I stand? And just owning these things, you know, like there's qualities about me that I own. There's qualities that I need to sort of modify to fit in a better, you know, Western society or whatever. And just, and, you know, just having these conversations with other people who are thinking the same things They go, well, you seem to be doing well. What are you doing that's working? And then maybe I can use some of that or whatever, you know, and because Australia, Asians, Vietnamese in Australia are totally different to Vietnamese in America. You know, yeah. even though when we speak Vietnamese, it sounds identical. I'm like, oh my God, my brother, my sister. But it's like their lifestyle is completely different. You know, so yeah. it's so important to be connected in the Australian community first, you know, and then we can sort of branch out and go, oh yeah, cool. We got this whole thing going on here. What about you guys? What's happening over there? You know? Yeah, very true. So true. Um, it's because I think it's partly because, you know, the Australian culture is different to the American culture. And to a greater or lesser extent, we've grown, we've grown up in this environment. So we would have taken on that, you know, that Australian culture, as opposed to the Americans, they've taken on different values yeah. um, and that sort of stuff. But yeah, so true. Um, I think authenticity is a really important conversation for the next generation of Vietnamese Australians or Asian Australians to have. And the reason is we've got feet um, in both camps. We've got parents who are the traditional Vietnamese or Asians. And then you've got the other foot in the other camp, which is Australian um, and a multicultural Australian, by the way. So we have our own identity. And I think our story, our, you know, you know that, uh, that mixed heritage, mixed background story is really important to tell as well because it's not exactly the same as our parents' story and it's not exactly the same as... Um, you know, uh, the, the Australian story either. So the struggle that you and I have in terms of identity is, is unique. Mm. And I think it's important for us to be able to have an avenue to, to talk about that because to a greater or less extent, um, I think not being, not having, um, a clear sense of self because you've got this ambiguity in terms of which identity do I take? Um, can can have taxing effects on your mental health. Oh, 100%. And your confidence. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, it, it's the difference between um, sort of having that pause and doubting yourself. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, maybe I don't deserve this. Or, and, the, and, you know, as opposed to just being outright, go, this is what I want, this is what I need, this is how I'm going to get mm-hmm. it. Do you know what I mean, like, just yeah. that second of pausing and go, oh, but maybe, like, you know, without that confidence, it's like, maybe I don't deserve this because I don't even know who I am. And like, if I, you know, how do I even get it? You know, um, yeah. if you don't have that example before you in front of you or something similar, then you don't know how to frame it. You know, like you don't know yeah, how to go or totally. get there. You know what I mean? And, and have you sort of experienced the guilt? Sorry? Um, I'm not sure. Guilt. Yeah, so yeah. when, you, when you, you sort of do things that um, against your parents' tradition, you feel guilty that you're doing that. Oh and running away from your heritage. And then when you're doing things which are, you know, uh, Asian or Vietnamese, then you feel guilty that you're, um, you're not trying hard enough to fit in. Yeah. Or yeah. that somehow you're, you're doing a disservice to yourself by not trying to, by not wanting to fit in, whatever. Yeah. Um, so the journey for, for me has been just accepting that whatever you choose is fine. Yeah. Just your choice. It's just your journey. That's yeah. it. You don't have to justify yourself to anybody. You don't owe owe anything to anybody. I think the yeah. biggest breakthrough for me was 
um, just giving myself permission to just like wholeheartedly embrace my artistic journey. Just like, yeah. just giving, just going, you know what, man, you are an artist and you can do whatever yeah. you want to do. And don't worry about what, you know, you think that other people are going to um, want you to do or expect you to do or be. Because like, mm-hmm. on one hand, that makes me who I am, but it doesn't, um, doesn't sort of make me who I'm going to be in the future because I dictate that. I, You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the building blocks for who I am, but I get to choose now. Mm-hmm. And that I you've, done like, some ama- you've done such amazing stuff though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> a lot of it's fluke, to be honest. <laughs> a lot of it's a fluke. But I think just, um, and not caring about what people say, you know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. I failed so much. Like I've just... I've just like had buffets of humiliation for so long. It's like, man, you, there is nothing you're gonna do do to me now. At this point, yeah, I haven't yeah. done to myself. So I was like, man, I don't care anymore. I'm just like, I'm just free to create now. And then, and I feel like that's I've got the most um, success from that. Just like, just being free and just like, man, this is who I am. Like what you were saying before, like just take me as I am. Like embracing who you are and just like, yeah, setting yourself. Just let it all hang out. You know, not not worry about it. That's right. Owning, owning you. Owning you, being proud of you, and being confident in terms of sharing yourself to everyone. Oh, that's yeah. pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So how did you, like, get an interest in acting? Was that something that you wanted to do for a long time or, like, when you are as a kid or when when did you get bitten by the acting bug? Um, uh, let me see. So it was probably year 10 and I was, uh, you know, I was cast as a mother. I, I tend to be cast as mums. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about me that makes you, me, you know, very bubbly. Do you have sisters? Yeah, I've got one sister. Are you the, the older sister? sister. Okay, the there you go. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, I don't know, but yes. It might just right. be in the mannerisms and the way you just look after people and take care of people. And you're like, what? Well, you know what? They're just projecting like, I would like, I would want you to be my mother. <laughs> yes. That's right. So the the um so I was cast as a mother, a, a, a sarcastic mother, by the way, and um, I really really enjoyed the process of you know rehearsing, learning lines, and then standing on stage and um, performing. So I enjoyed the whole rehearsal process. But you know my parents are your typical Asian tiger parents, and they didn't believe in anything other than maths and science. If you're not doing maths and science, you're not really studying. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Hundred percent. So drama, unless it was compulsory, you weren't allowed (laughs) to do it. Um, And so yes, I had to sort of weasel myself out of of that whole theatre production because the theatre production was actually after hours. Okay. So you rehearsed during school time, and I had a great time rehearsing. But then when it came time to the performance, um, it was after school, and so my parents didn't let me do that so I had to sort of find a way to weasel myself out but anyway that was the first experience in terms of how much I enjoyed and was um what was it I didn't feel self-conscious on stage oh really I was just I was just really comfortable on it um and I didn't I I didn't have any anxiety or nervousness or apprehension in in relation to playing a character on stage it was just a lot of fun yeah um uh but which kind of reminds me I think I enjoyed um, performing even before year 10. So in grade six, we had this production that I was in. And the story is, uh, you know, we rehearsed and it was time for the show and we all went out. 
onto the stage and it was then my turn to come out on the stage and I came out on the stage and people started laughing. And I thought, gee, I must be doing a really good job in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, because my character was funny. And I thought, gee, I'm doing a really good job. And, you know, I was feeling quite, quite, quite chuffed by the reaction of the audience. And then, so I finished my part and then I came inside and then people kind of came to me and said, you know, Oakley, you've got something stuck on your bum. Oh, no. <laughs> so what had happened was, uh, this is in grade six, right? You had to make your own props. My One of my props was a watch. I cut it out using cardboard paper and I stuck it on my wrist, but somehow it fell off and it got stuck and I must have sat on it. And then I went out with this watch dangling on my bum. <laughs> oh, no. And, yes, yeah, so the audience thought it was part of the show. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, yes, okay. Well, anyway, I was mortified. I was very embarrassed, <laughs> but that didn't stop me. I enjoyed it. Um, there was this well other done. time where I was, I was playing, what was I? I was playing an ancient Greek mythology, in an ancient Greek mythology play, and I took it so seriously. There was this one point where you had to, where my character slapped the other character, and I took it so damn seriously. I went, bang! Oh. And, and she was so shocked. Uh, afterwards, she had this like red hand mark. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> is that called method acting? Uh, is it? Called... <laughs> yeah. It's just like one way method acting. Like she wasn't part of the method acting. It was just you that was part no, of. That's it. right. Yes, that's right. Don't give Oakley a, a psychotic role to play because <laughs> that could be scary. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but I had lots of fun. So um, I think I've always enjoyed that thespian that um i don't know performance side of things but was never allowed to for obviously yeah. for, for reasons that my parents didn't believe in it yeah and, and is, <laughs> so so pursuing it sort of a little bit after school and stuff is that mm -hmm. just because you know like you've you kind of felt like you know what i've done all the things that i'm so i feel like i need to do let me just go yeah. and explore my creative um juices now you know what i mean like yeah it's like it's a hobby that turned into like you know like an, another career it's like oh man like you're moonlighting as an actor for real now you know yeah that's right um for me i've always had that sort of dichotomy in terms of interest mm. in the sense that i've always enjoyed the analytical side of of my brain and i've also enjoyed the creative side of my brain too so throughout my um uh, you can call it upbringing and also throughout my schooling, I've um, balanced things out because the traditional, I followed the traditional path of, you know, going down law school and blah, 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 sort of exercising that, that analytical side of the brain. But along the way, I've also done creative things um, as well. So I've done radio production, uh, for example, uh, writing stories, um, for example, and then obviously now acting and, and, and that sort of stuff. So um, my brain is never satisfied when I'm only doing one thing. Mm. So when I'm just doing creative stuff, I get, uh, I, I yearn for, I yearn for a bit of stability through the analytical stuff. When I just do analytical stuff, I get bored and I yearn for the creative stuff. So I've always had to sort of interweave both in my life. Yeah. And I think that's, that's going to be the continuing case as yeah. I move forward. And now that you have sort of explored this, you know, the creative journey, um, mm. does that inform 
you know what you do now with your um, media production stuff like last time we spoke which was a few years ago like when we went to dinner uh with diana with diana shout out to diana um yeah you're telling me about the media production company that you're doing like is does that does your acting and all the sort of networking and sort of uh, all your experience there does that inform what you do now as a content creator moving forward oh absolutely absolutely i'm a true believer of um with life experience comes perspective and enlightenment so to speak so what i find with my creative stuff is that i do a, an intense period of creative stuff and then i rest mm. and then i come back and do more and every time i come back um my my creative perspective becomes a little bit more well-rounded and a little bit more mature i suppose um so with all of my my history and what i've gone through um it has and will inform what i do um creatively in terms of the content that i create so that's one side of it and that's a personal sort of exploration thing the other side is i'm also a very practical person in the sense that i'm a means to an end kind of person so i do what needs to be done um in order to achieve in order to achieve a goal so going into acting i was told when i first started that it's a really hard industry to break into so having been told that i knew that i had to sort of put in a lot of focus and a lot of attention to to sort of getting work and um so i listened to other people's advice and other people were sort of saying uh if you can't get roles make your own content because that may be the only way that you're going to sort of be able to practice your skills and so absolutely um i listened to that advice and and from i think it was like uh, eight months into my acting course i started to create my own content i had no idea what i was doing but that doesn't matter you kind of experiment you kind of experiment and fail your way through life and then yep. um afterwards you you learn from those failures and you all of a sudden become better at, at what you've you've been trying to work on because yeah. honestly um unless you spend lots and lots and lots of money learning the trade which could take lots and lots of money and lots of time the alternative is to fail and fail fast learn yeah. and fail fast oh. go out and experiment and even if you know it's horrible first experience try again the next time it's better and the next time it's better then all of a sudden you find oh i kind of know how to do this stuff now i love that i love that uh that mantra like fail and fail fast i i, I absolutely love that like just getting it out all out the way just like yeah. you know you've got to get the hours in and like for me like we used to you know like we had it was always diy with rap and you know like it was always like recording on the laptops and back then it was like just you know whatever equipment we can get our hands on and we we would record into like eight tracks and all that stuff and every once in a while i'd find a burnt cd of like the stuff that we did back then i'm like get rid of it now like bury it <laughs> crush it burn it get rid of it because i don't want to yeah i don't want that to be out there but we had to do it you know like it's like what you said like we created our own, our own content we found a way there was no hope of us getting signed up to a record label and going to a big studio to yeah. you know, create music there was no way absolutely no way you know we're in brisbane australia we're asians rapping like come on man you know <laughs> so it's like what else we can do we're gonna make our own a same same as what you just did you know like create your own yeah. content and just do it and we yeah. sucked so bad like so bad so so bad <laughs> and thankfully none of it's out there you know? 
but it was that same mentality like i love it when you said you know fail and fail fast i think yeah the best advice because uh, i feel like people just they they only see oakley kwan on hunger ghost they don't see oakley kwan when she was just starting out eight months into the acting course and she's trying to do her own thing you know like you've got to do the work you gotta grind yeah. you know you gotta eat you gotta eat bags of poo before you can you know be up there under <laughs> lights right. in sps you know like it's got it yeah uh, and and for people to hear it from somebody like you that's you know relatively new to the acting game in your words but like you've done so much already in the acting game you've achieved so much in a relatively small amount of time it's like if they can hear that from you they'll be like oh it's more motivation for them like yeah like i gotta go and start failing right now you know yeah that's right well i think um i recently saw someone um a vietnamese rapper in the states who recently passed away and her motto was i'm i'm a person with two hands and two feet and you know if just like you and if i can do it you can do it too yeah i'm nothing special. i'm just a normal person and likewise i'm just a normal person with two hands as well and you know if i can do it you can do it too all it requires is passion dedication focus and effort yeah. and you're good to go yeah. and one thing that i've learned about the being the creative in, in the creative industry for, for for us and also having that mantra of failing and failing fast is you learn well i've learned to get very thick skin and also um to let go of my ego who cares man yeah. who cares if you suck yeah. <laughs> because you're just learning you may suck today you may not suck tomorrow or you may start to suck today you may still suck tomorrow but in a few years time you might not suck so bad yeah <laughs> but uh, unless you go through that journey of knowing that you do suck and that you can improve you're never going to improve um yeah. um and so i think a lot of what holds people back is that fear of failure and and that fear of embarrassment yeah when when you get over that boy life is so much more fun it's so much better it's like, yes you know yeah. who cares if you've got snot up your nose oh dude and you're I'm... on camera who cares I feel like um, when you get past that level of like not worried about what other people think about you and like not worried about failing and not worried about looking silly or whatever, once you get past that threshold, you meet other people who are like that and then you go, yeah. oh, we're at the party now. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. So everybody now at the party is like do it, like willing to do like wild stuff and take wild risks. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm down. Let's go, man. You know? Yeah, that's right. That, that's right. So I think for me, my journey now is about um, – so I've gotten to the point of authenticity, which is awesome. My next point, my next development curve or milestone is integrity. What I mean by that is um, I, because of where I come from, I like to um, get mutual benefits for everybody. So I like to sort of coordinate and collaborate and make everyone happy. And so we all produce something together and collaboratively. But sometimes you need to just state your opinion. For example, in with my character and with the roles that I play, sometimes I just have to say, this is how the character should be. Doesn't matter what you think, I'm playing the role and this is how the character should be played authentically and you just do it. And I think for me, that's a lesson that I, I have to learn and that's the next journey that I'm on in terms of finding that, that place of integrity 
for the roles and the creative app, the, the creative content that I create. So not to compromise because I want to please other people or I want to make it easy. I want to make the, the process easy, but having integrity in relation to the, the creative content yeah. is, is my next learning curve. And it's so important, isn't it? Because um, we need to see that example of that integrity of where not like there is no compromise. Like this is how I feel like as in me as a person with my lived experience, this is how I feel like it should be. The more that we see that example set, the more us coming up or others coming up, like, yeah, like I need to fight for what I believe in to make this right as well. So that way as a whole, we're like, we all have to do it so that then people just get the message and goes, all right, just let them do it their way because obviously like they know what it's, what's good, you know? Yeah, that, that's right. And that's so true because, um, you know, for me, it, um, I went into Hungry Ghost feeling like I was the new, kid, the new kid on the block, which I was, you know, the other cast members in, in, um, in the ensemble cast have been in the industry for at least 10 years. And they're so experienced and so good and, and skilled in terms of what they do. And so I kind of said, yeah, I'm the new kid on the block. I'll just take what I'm given and I'll just be quiet. Um, and I'm not sure whether that sort of resonates with other people who are, you know, of you know, different cultural backgrounds in society. But sometimes a lot of we kind of just feel like we should just, you know, get what we're given and be quiet. Yeah. So my, my journey is not, get, is not that anymore. It's not, don't be quiet. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If you yeah. feel it's wrong, it's wrong. You say it, and you stand up. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And that, and that's why I'm, I'm now focusing on you know diverse content because I feel that the current representation levels is wrong. Yeah, it's um, abysmal. and I'm taking yeah, and I'm taking a stand. A yeah, creative, 100%. creative stand. I'm going. No, this is wrong. We're now going to do something about it. And I'm not going to be afraid that I'll be blacklisted by producers and other people. I'm going to be blacklisted, but I don't care, man. Yeah. Because change doesn't happen through fear. Change happens by people staring fear in the face and saying, I'm going to have courage and I'm going to fight this because it's the right thing to do. 100%. I love that. And the good thing about creating your own content is like you're not beholden to anybody. Like there is no stakeholders or shareholders that you need to make happy. Like, you know what, man? I don't care what you think because you're not running the show here. Like, guess who's running the show? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like... Yeah. like if it's undeniably good, people will come and people will be attracted to it. And once, yeah. once you know, like you you build up the attention and you have you know eyeballs on you, it's like eyeballs equals you know advertising. Yeah. Dollars. You know what I mean? And then it's like yeah. at that point, it's like, hey, guess who's got all the leverage? You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, so, that's right. And, and the more we create um, diverse content, like, and I hate to say diverse content because. And this is just coming from like a layman's uh, perspective, you know, but it's like the, the, the way I grew up in Australia, it's like the word diverse never existed because like, for me, I grew up around in a multicultural suburb, you know, multicultural area. So like, I didn't learn about the word diverse until I was like talking to academics that grew up in non-diverse areas. I'm like, what do you mean diverse? Like, you mean like where I live? Because like, that was normal to me. So now when I'm using the word diverse, I'm like, ah, oh, that's right. People didn't grow up like me, you know? So, um, that, yeah, 
when we create this content and then like I talk about my friends, like I don't say, oh, my Aboriginal friend or oh, my Samoan friend. I'm just like, yeah, they're my mates. Like that's just the mates that. True. You know so what I mean? true, isn't it? Yeah. So it, it's you just, know, that's... I, I, yeah. So um, for the longest time, I felt uncomfortable about um, identifying different people based on their race. So I was so uncomfortable about saying I was Vietnamese. Um, I was just more comfortable saying I'm Australian. Right, everybody, everybody's. You, I don't even take into account your racial differences because equity and, and fairness is where you actually see everyone the same. Um, and so I kind of grew up with that. But um, similar to you know women's rights movements and all other movements where there's been some imbalance, sometimes you just have to um, swing the pendulum the other way and voice and and voice that extreme for a period of time yep. until the balance is reached. And then you can say, okay, balance is reached now. I can revert back to it. Right. Uh-oh. Hello. Oh, no. No. Oh, the internet just stopped. Okay, man, we're back uh, on Umami Nights. Uh, we've got Oakley Kwan here. Uh, and the internet in the hood isn't always stable. So uh, we dropped out, but we managed to pick up the pieces. We're recovering. And uh, I don't remember what we're talking about, but Oakley knows. Oakley remembers. So um, the last thing I remember we were saying was like uh, reclaiming or sort of reverting back to um, being able to refer to our friends as just our friends without having to identify culturally. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And it, it actually has reminded me about my second point before about what I was wanting to sort of say. I think um, I, I really am blessed because I have, I, I have to thank my agents for this, but they put me forward for roles that have not been stereotypically Asian. So they put me, the, the role in, um, in Neighbours was Tanya Conlon. That's not a typically Asian role. Um, the role they put me forward for in um, Bloody Hell which is, is um, Angela Reynolds. And that's not a typically Asian role. So when I, went in, when I got into the industry and on set, people were kind of saying, talking about their, their experience as Asian actors. And they were saying, you know, I'm just glad I'm not having to play the prostitute or the restaurant owner or the laundromat owner and that sort of stuff. Because um, up until now, up until Hungry Ghosts, I suppose, or and hopefully moving forward into the future, Asian girls in particular get typecast into playing your, your Asian prostitutes or, or, you know, fantasy fetish um, toys, whatever it is. Yep. Um, but I've been really lucky that my agents have avoided that for me. Um, Except for Hungry Ghosts, where I play the authentic me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes that's because right. Because it's on your terms, so, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, that's right. So I'm hoping that moving forward into the future, where we do reach that equilibrium, where we have sort of swung to the other side because we've needed to, to, to sort of raise awareness of the, you know, the, the lack of, of equity and lack of diversity in the industry. Once we've gotten there, and we've swung into a more balanced position that yes, 
it will be blind casting, so to, so to speak, yeah. in the sense that, you know, it doesn't matter what race you are, it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter what ability or, 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 or disability you have, it's blind. Yeah. There's a role, there's a character. If you can play it well, you've got the role. Yeah, 100%. I feel like just because uh, I don't really spend too much time in those circles, so uh, like it's all new to me. I'm still learning. I'm asking these questions because like I too want to have these conversations, but then sometimes I feel like oh, these conversations are already kind of happening, and I'm kind of getting on. I'm getting on the last carriage trying to run to the front. I'm like, what's going on? Like, what are you guys talking about? You know. So, I like the more conversations I have with people like yourself, uh, in different fields, um, you know, yeah. the more I am because like. For me, my whole context is just in the rap world, like Asian rappers. That's my whole context. I'm like, man, that's such a small, even though it's like a creative industry and uh, all that sort of stuff, it's it's still such a limited and niche, um, I guess, mm. existence, you know? So, um, I mean, you're, you're this- you guys are leading the way. You guys are totally leading the way, though. So in a few years' time, you will be known as the legends that started it all. Uh, not probably not me, but like, like other people. But yeah, probably not me because like, I have really, <laughs> I have really dumb conversations with my friends. Like they're like, I'm so glad we don't record them. Sometimes we record them. Sometimes with, with David and stuff. But like it's just a lot of our stuff is shits and giggles, and we point out the obvious and we make fun of like the hypocrisy and how, how you know. I think the only way we deal with it is through humor, to be honest. Yeah. With like the yeah, lack yeah. of diversity. And it's just because it feels like this mountain and this massive wall that we just never feel that we'll be able to get over. The only thing we can do is sort of just reserve ourselves to just joking about it and like, that'll never happen. You know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of how we deal with it. But I feel like talking to people like you, where like you're actually up and at it and you're trying to get at it, I'm like, yeah, maybe we should do something about it too, you know? <laughs> In, in your way, you're actually uh, inspiring me um, and inspiring others to do the same. So I think we're, I think it, we're inspiring each other in numbers. So the more conversations we have, the more people we inspire, we then start to be inspired by those people. Uh, and it really is just, at the moment, it is just about creating that groundswell. Um, and, and really standing up and saying, yeah, it's actually not okay. It's not okay to sort of say that just because I'm Asian that I'm I'm not newsworthy or that I'm not um, promotion worthy or marketing worthy. No, I'm sorry. Please recess because yeah. in this day and age, discrimination is illegal. I'm sorry, but yeah. in any other industry, you'd be you'd be taken to you know the um, the ombudsman, um, except for in the creative industry for whatever reason. That is, we still yeah. tolerate discrimination. I think it's just and about it's- being, um, being, insisting on on holding people accountable, because mm. these people they know what the rights and wrongs are, but they just get away with what they can get away with, and until they can't get away with it. And I think, yeah. um, you know, talking about what you're talking about, it's like we're just not letting them get away with it anymore. Mm. So no, and I think, and, and I think one of the things that we have in our advantage is that um, for the the Asian community, I'm not sure, but we're pretty. From what I see, we're pretty resourceful people. Um, yeah. You know, uh, so we've got a lot of strength 
in in terms of um, our numbers. Uh, we've got lots of wealth. We're getting lots of well-educated people um, emerging in positions of power. And my philosophy is I will, um, I first go into any new area by observing and watching yep. and seeing how things, how things work. And then if I have an issue, I'll, I'll voice it. If no one wants to listen to that, okay, that means that I have to get myself into a position of authority and power to change it so that yep. people do listen um, in a position of influence so that I can change it. Um, because that battle um, of battling against that big wave or, or, you know, climbing that mountain, it is tough. Yeah. It is so tough and it's demoralising. Um, and I'm not a fan of fighting that way. I'm more of a fan of if, um, if, if there's something wrong and I'm not in a position of authority to change it, I get myself into a position of authority to change it. Yeah. Um, because that's how, unfortunately, that's how society works. That's how our society works. Um, and, and, that's, and that's what we have to do. Yeah. But mind you, it's not, a, it's, it's not um, a lost battle because, like I said, we're hugely resourceful. We've got lots of money and we just need to leverage, pull that together yeah. and create content and, and sort of start a wave. I'm here for it. Sign me up. What else? Oh my god! Up? Let's oh start recruiting god. people. Let's go. This is the call yeah, out. This is the call to action. We're all running up behind it. Oakley. <laughs> yes, it's a call to action. That's right. I mean, yeah. the church community that I'm with, they raise so much money every year for for charity courses and that sort of stuff. Um, if we got their sympathy and their empathy, we could raise lots of money to create content in the music sector in you know the film television sector if we wanted to yeah um there's lots of money out there and within our community um if we inspire people enough to think that this is a good cause we'll make it happen yeah yeah i think we can inspire people this conversation this conversation is pretty inspiring Mark this down. This will be like the 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 That's right. round zero of where the money starts rolling in. <laughs> this is awesome. This is where it all happens in Australia. That's right. That's right. We started it. We started it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, you know, moving on from Hungry Ghost and um, the bloody bloody hell movie, um, mm -hmm. which is coming out in twenty twenty one. Ah, yes. So in the United States, it's coming right. out in 2021, but it has been sort of limited. There's been a limited screening in Australia already. Oh, okay. um, and, and yes, we've gone and seen it. It's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it was, uh, and just for those who may not know, horror films are the best to be in. <laughs> Dying in film is awesome. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. I was an extra on a horror film called um, Two Heads Creek. Um, but, oh, wow. Okay. But I didn't get to die. I was like one of those. Yeah. I was so far down the list that I just died off scene somewhere. I was like assumed dead. <laughs> I didn't get to act dead. I just got assumed dead. <laughs> you got assumed dead. Oh. Yeah. I know, right? Um, but so it was, it was bloody, is bloody hell like the kind of the last 
role you're playing and then before you start concentrating on the content creation part? Yeah, that's right. So it was a sad day when I sort of um, contacted my agent and said, I'm actually going to, COVID has actually allowed me to rethink my my purpose in life and, and also my direction and where I am at. And at this point in time, I'm going to sort of take a break from acting and focus on some other things. And um, I think some other things that I do want to focus on is content creation because let me give a plug to uh, Screen Queensland. They've actually got a, pro, a, a program at the moment called RIDE, R-I-D-E, and that's to, to fund um, productions that um, have diverse content in it. So people for inclusivity purposes, so people of diverse backgrounds. Um, so Piano Mums has been, uh, I suppose, yeah. supported. I love Piano Mums. Shout out to Avon, yeah. Yeah, the homie that's, Avon, man. that's right. Yeah. I know. I, I lost out in playing the mum role in that. Oh, no. We can we can have a chat to Avon <laughs> if you want, man. <laughs> oh, that's right. The better mum won out. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, man. Uh, but um, so a big plug for that. So if you're a, a diverse creative content creator out there and you're listening in, um, get onto the Screen Queensland website and look for RIDE. And if you've got a script um, that's ready to go or a pitch, please contact them and see how you can get your stuff created. Yeah. And produced. Um, um, so moving on from, you know, 2020 and putting it behind mm. us, 2021, um, who, uh, who would you like to thank for you know everything that you've done so far um what are you looking forward to in 2021 okay so this is like my oscars moment is it <laughs> i'm not gonna play any music to to, to walk you off don't worry we've got time sure, I, zoom's got zoom's I giving think... me 40 minutes so we've got plenty of time <laughs> we got plenty of time well i think the first people i need to thank um uh, are my parents no doubt 100 percent um I've had, a, you know, an up and down relationship with my parents because I've had identity issues in terms of not really knowing who I, I have been. And, and of course, you know, your normal stuff in the sense that, you know, children are always upset with their parents. I'm not sure if you're experiencing that with your kids at the moment. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> yes. As soon as the sun comes up, they're upset with me. Until the sun goes down, it's like, the only time they're not upset with me is when they're sleeping. so hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What else can I do? I don't know. I know. So parents love their kids so much um, and do so much for their kids. But those great, ungrateful little rats that they are, um, are always complaining. So I used to be one of those rats, ungrateful rats. And um, I thank, thankfully for Hunger Ghosts, I've repaired that relationship. And I think uh, Hunger Ghosts came to me and, and gave me more than just, you know, exposure to the industry. It repaired my relationship with my parents. And so first and foremost, I need to thank them. I love them to bits. Oh. Um, I might have been a little bit difficult to handle when I was growing up. Um, I love them to bits. Mum and dad, uh, both. And then I've got my siblings who I thank. And I thank them because um, they allowed me to fall back in love with, with, um, with family. So I had been in Canberra for 10 years away from my family for such a long time. And then I, and then I decided one day to move to Brisbane because I bought an apartment here and I had to sort of come and, 
visit it. But um, as I was here, uh, they gave me the opportunity of falling in love with them again. Because I kind of raised my twin brothers at the age when they were just born until the age of two and three. Um, I was very close to them and then I moved to, I moved to Canberra and kind of lost touch. And then I came back and then, voila, fell in love again. And the reason why that's so important and why I need to thank them is that love is so important. Um, it's one of the most um, valuable things that human beings can experience. Um, and having having sort of a loving family um, is so is so important and so essential. So those are the people that I need to thank first and foremost. If I'm going to name my siblings, I should shouldn't I? So Marina, and then there's Martin, and then there's Ruben, and then there's Hugh. So there are five of us in the the family, and they've gone through a, and had to deal with a lot with regard to this crazy hairbrain sister that they have. <laughs> um, um, and who else do I need to thank? Um, I need to thank my partner for being so supportive. Um, he's actually gotten all of his family and all of his friends to watch Hungry Ghosts and to, to go out and watch Bloody Hell, even though they're not into, into horror movies. They've gone in and watched it until I appear on screen and then they quickly duck out and, oh. you know, I'll find some reprieve somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good compromise, man, you know. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. So my partner's name's Dave, um, if he's listening. And I'm sure yeah, he will be Dave. listening. Thanks, Dave. And um, and all of the people in my life who have helped me along the journey and along the way who've supported um, my creative journey. So Kevin's one of them. Um, who else would have been there? All of my acting um, coaches, Peter, um, so many acting coaches, all oh, the, the people, the casting agents who gave me my first break, um, Joey Vieira and, um, Ben Parkinson. So thank you so much. They actually put me in touch with BMEG who, who became my agents and that's where it all started. Um, yeah, all of the people I've worked with, um, but the the entire cast of hungry ghosts i love them to bits boy um we call ourselves the the crazy spooky asians <laughs> i love that i love yes. that yes, oh, man. that's, that's right. a good band name too like you could you could do the like crazy a, spooky asians. yeah you could do like a rap crew out of that crazy spooky Asians. yeah yeah and a, and a big shout out to sean seat who uh was the director on, on Hungry Ghost, I think he's a. I think he needs to be uh, acknowledged for the great, um, the great directing work that he's done on on so many productions, but in particular on Hungry Ghost. I saw him in action, um, and the respect he had for he, for the people was 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 just you know it was just wonderful. So there you go. I'd like to thank the world. <laughs> and and wish for world peace but that would get too corny yeah no we can only have one corny thing per episode we recap it yeah that's right <laughs> um before i let you go and thank you again for coming on and you know giving us so much of your time um no. aside from the fail and fast advice what other advice could you give a young up 
and coming uh, actor uh, that you you wish that somebody gave you? Uh, hmm. <laughs> that I wish somebody gave me. Okay. Um, something that's Sunny Lee, who who's a, um, a a fellow acting friend of mine, where we went through NIDA together. Have a fallback plan, guys. <laughs> go, go get an education, and um, and have a stable income, and then dive into the uh, the acting industry because it will it will rip your heart out, man. Um, it's hard work. Um, if you love acting, you will always love acting, and you will always return back to it. And so, like me, I may be on a hiatus now, but I'll return back when it's time. Um, but you don't want to be acting in a desperate way. You don't want to be a desperate actor. And so either take a year off and, and earn some money and have that in your back pocket whilst you're, you're trying to sort of get yourself ahead in, in terms of the acting space. Um, don't turn into a bitter actor because I've seen it before as well because um, the industry is so harsh that, and you, you know how you fail all the time? Yeah, actors get rejected every other day. We get auditions, we probably get maybe 1% of the auditions that we go to, 99% of the time we get rejected because there's more, there's more actors than there are roles. So it can be very demoralising and it will rip your heart out because it's something that you love to do. So have a fallback plan um, is the advice that I would, would give to actors. But don't ever give up. If you've got that fuel in you, keep fighting. Your chance will come. Um, because when you fight for it, it will come, it will come, it'll just take time. And so you need to be able to sustain yourself whilst you're waiting for that to come. Amazing. Oakley Kwan, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your time and such a great uh, conversation. Um, I honestly thought I was going to come on here and banter with you, but like you actually dropped so much knowledge. I'm, I'm so glad we did it. Uh -huh. <laughs> That is good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do it every other day. So it's like, it's good yeah. to actually have some value and some good content on this podcast every so often. <laughs> you didn't say that, guys. Edit that out. Edit yeah, that yeah. out. All of these previous guests. I'm the editor. <laughs> uh, thank you again so much, um, Oakley. Um, and, you know, like, be sure to let us know if you're, whatever you're doing in the future, uh, jump on. Let's have another chat um yeah. and again you know really i really dig your message and i really dig your fight um and you know anything you need let me know i'm sure like you know there are other people out there who are feeling the same so um yeah absolutely um, so can i one thing that i didn't one person i didn't i forgot to thank is i let, let me thank you Chong Ali, because oh. you know let me thank you um because <laughs> you've opened my eyes to vietnamese rap before you, I wasn't listening to Vietnamese rap and you've opened my eyes and my ears to it. So thank oh, you. Wow. You're actually, for me, you're leading the way in that space in Australia. Oh, um, my God. Thank you. And so so keep up the good work. You inspire me so much. Um, sometimes I, I feel like exiting the creative industry because of the amount of work that needs to be done. It just tires me to even think about it. But then I follow you. And you're making stuff happen. You're going on photo shoots and shooting people 
wearing your t-shirt and you're on BMAC and then you're doing this, you're doing shows and, and so on and so forth. And you're doing this podcast. And so you inspire me. So thank you very much for that. Keep oh, up the good you. work. We I will support each that. other. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. We're not going anywhere. I appreciate yeah. that, Oakley. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, man. I'll I'll have a chat to you soon. I hope you have an yeah. incredible night. And um, yeah, I'll hit you up. Chat soon. Chat soon. Thank, thank you Bye. so much for jumping on, Umami Nights. Oakley Kwan, make some noise. <laughs> thank you, awesome. Oakley. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Catch you later. Bye.